band just play that behind this this morning. Father, this morning I hear the chains falling. Father, we declare it to be so. The chains of bondage to a religious spirit that keeps us from walking in the Holy Spirit, we declare that those are falling today. The chains of bondage to sin and addiction, God, we declare those are broken by the blood of Jesus, by the word of our testimony, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We hear those chains falling today. The old ways of thinking, God, that might have been handed down by ancestors, but they're not your way. The chains of racism, the chains of hate, the chains of self-righteousness. We hear those falling today as well. The chains of sickness. Spirits of infirmity. Attacks of Satan. God, we hear those chains falling off here this morning as well. Lord, today we declare this room is your room. Thank you that we didn't invite you here. You invited us here. This place belongs to you. There is not an inch, there is not a millimeter of space in this universe that does not cry out that Jesus is Lord. And so with that today, God, we declare this is your place. With the angels in heaven that are circling around the throne and they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God, we join in that chorus. All of nature sings your song. God, if we just have eyes to see every rising sun, the moon and stars at night, the clouds that move through the sky, the ocean that swells before us, God, everything declares that Jesus is Lord. And so we join in that chorus today. And God, we know that we have an enemy. He's real. The world may say that he's not real, but he is real. But, Lord, we know that he is a defeated foe. He's been overcome by the sacrifice of Jesus. The second Adam, the one who never sinned, the one who never turned to the left or to the right, God, he has set us free through his perfect sacrifice. As we just sang, an all-sufficient sacrifice. That means we can't add anything to what he has done, and nothing can be taken away. And so we're here to exalt his name today. Lord, if the name of Rushwood is exalted, God, I pray you would cast that down. If the name of Brent Tysinger is exalted, I pray that you would cast that down. If people go out of here talking about what a great job our worship team did or a great job with the sermon or anything else, God, we have failed because our purpose here today is to exalt you, to receive something from you, and also to give back to you the worship that's due your name. So we thank you that you are here this morning. We thank you that you are moving. We thank you that your will is going to be done. God, we pray that we would get ourselves out of the way so that you can come through like a mighty rushing wind. What you did at Pentecost so many years ago, 
where you took a room of 120 people who were not perfect, who didn't understand everything, who sometimes failed, who weren't the prestigious of the world, and yet, God, you took those 120 people and through the wind of your spirit, you set this world on fire and you changed history and eternity. And God, we declare you're going to do it again today with this room of people. And so we thank you for that in advance. Lord, we want to be spoken to today. Challenge us through your Holy Spirit. Change us to be more like Jesus. Less of us, we pray, and more of him, God. We want to be like him. Oh, to be like you, blessed Redeemer. That's our prayer today. Make us more like Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the love that's in this room. I thank you for the spirit of unity that's in this room. I thank you that we love each other in Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters. We are children of God. So today, God, we praise you. We praise you. We offer this time to you. Have your will. Have your way, God. We do not want to go through the motions, God. But we want to have an experience with you. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of Rushwood said together, amen. Don't be seated. Turn around and greet somebody this morning. Tell them, I love you and Jesus loves you. Then you may be seated. Once you've done that, you may be seated this morning. Make sure you greet a couple of people in the name of Jesus. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. I'm so glad that God is here. He's here every week. There may be weeks where we aren't as ready for his presence as we are other times. I believe today is a day where we're ready for his presence. Do you? I believe we're ready for what God has for us today. And so I'm ready to receive the good gifts that my father wants to give me today. And I hope you're ready for that as well. I wanted to tell, try to tell you guys every once in a while something good. So let me, let me tell you something good. I want uh, Eli and Hayden Hayes to stand up for just a second. This is a newlywed couple from our church. Give God some praise for them. Great young couple, and you guys can be seated. I've embarrassed you enough. But we are thankful so much for them. We're thankful for marriage. You know, marriage was God's idea, right? He's the one that came up with it. He's the one that developed it. And it is the ultimate sign on this earth of Jesus Christ and his bride, which is the church. And so we are so thankful for young Christian couples. By the way, it kind of makes me sad, but they're actually going to be moving away for a while because of a job opportunity that's been presented. And so we won't get to see him. Hopefully they'll be back one day. Um, but we won't get to see them on and on. They're going to be taking that opportunity. But pray for them. Pray that God would establish their household. We've had a couple of other couples that have been married within the church recently. And I just praise God for that. That's part of our vision statement is that couples would find each other here. Christian couples would come together through the ministry of this church. And actually, they knew each other before here. But we were so glad to be able to be part of their wedding and getting their marriage 
their family kicked off in the right way. Well, today we are finishing up our series, Tenacious. Have you enjoyed this series? Has anybody enjoyed this series? I, I hope you have. I hope, as Pastor Jason would say, well, a few of you did, so that's good. Um, it's been a fun one to preach, and I hope that God has blessed you some way through this series. I said I wasn't going to do this every week, but I guess I am. Uh, we do have uh, some tenacious gear, some, some clothing that goes along with this sermon series, which was donated by one of our church members, and we're so thankful for that. And everything we have sold has gone for our youth group to bless our Rushwood youth, and so we thank you guys for buying that and participating in some of that. I don't want to be a salesman this morning, but since it's the last day and since we've had a lot of things that have already been sold T-shirts out there are going to be $5 today, and the hoodies out there are going to be $10, so that's a great deal. And after this week, we're not going to have that stuff out there anymore, so if you want to take advantage of that, that will go to support our youth group and bless our youth group. So grab some of that gear. It looks really good, and it's a good witness, and so we'd love for you to be able to have some of that. And like I said, support our youth group as they go to conventions and as they go to camps and as they do other things. Well, this morning I wanted to start off with some humor. I wanted to try to make you guys laugh. We'll see how this goes this morning. Um, but as, like I said, as C.S. Lewis says, if you're going to make them cry, you've got to first make them laugh. And so we're going to try that today. Here's the joke. An elderly lady visits a large church for the first time, and the head usher greets her at the door. He asks her, ma'am, can I help you find a place to sit? Yes, she says, I'd like to sit right down front. That's unusual, right? Oh, ma'am, says the usher, I wouldn't do that. Our pastor is a terrible preacher. He's very boring. It might have been this church. I don't know. He's very boring. You're likely to fall asleep, and then you'll be there nodding off right in front of everybody. Why don't you let me find you a nice spot in one of the last few rows? Sir, says the lady, do you know who I am? No, ma'am, says the usher. Well, says the lady, I happen to be the pastor's mother. The usher hangs his head in shame and kind of looks at the floor, stares at his shoes, and finally gets the courage to look back up. And he says, ma'am, I just have one question for you. Yes, she says. Do you know who I am? She says, no. He says, well, thank the Lord for that. By the way, I just looked up, I better do this, uh, we honored Eli and Hayden, I just looked up and I saw that we got Jamie and Michael Martinez back here, I'm going to make them stand, stand, stand. Another one of our young married couples here, and so uh, we're so thankful for them. They did meet each other at this church. I went to school with both uh, the mom of the bride and the mom of the groom, and they had it took a chance on this church, and because they took a chance on this church, these two crazy kids met each other, and so we're proud of you guys. We love you guys. We're so glad that you're back with us this morning. We're just getting everybody married around here. That's just what we're doing in this place. Well, our last tenacious character from the life of Jesus is like that usher. We don't know her name. The Bible never gives us the name of this lady that's presented to us in the gospel accounts. We're sure she had one. We're sure that Jesus knew her name, but we're never told her name. Instead, we know this woman by her condition, by the condition, the physical condition that she was dealing with. 
We know her as the woman with the issue of blood. That's what she is most typically called by Bible scholars and theologians. The woman with an issue of blood. She actually shows up in the story as Jesus is on the way to do another miracle. She kind of breaks in on the story from the side. As Jesus is on his way to do one thing, she comes up and she is seeking help from the Lord Jesus. It's kind of like when you read the gospel account, she's not even supposed to be there. This woman is not even supposed to be in the story. But she is so tenacious, her tenacity brings her into the story anyway. And because of her boldness, she has an amazing encounter with Jesus. Man, I wish our culture, I wish people in our society, I wish people in Ashboro, I wish people in Randolph County would have an encounter with Jesus. You have that encounter with Jesus, you'll never be the same. When he shows up, when you see him for who he is, when he comes into your story and you come into his story, you'll never be the same. That is my prayer today is that more and more people would have an encounter with Jesus. You'll know, people say, I don't know if I believe all this, I don't believe. I don't know if I believe the Bible, Jesus, all that stuff. If you encounter him, if you really encounter him, you'll know that he's real, you'll know that it's true, you'll know that he's there, and you'll know that he cares. So I pray that more people would have that kind of encounter with Jesus Christ. Because of her boldness, we talked last week about Zacchaeus, because of her boldness, her life is forever changed for the better. This morning, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 48. It will be on the screen for you. I don't care if you look it up on your phone. I don't care if you have a a physical copy of the Bible, but you can turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Again, chapter 8, verses 40 through 48. And we're going to go through her story part by part. I kind of enjoy this. This is kind of, it's not necessarily the way I was taught in seminary to go through a a section of scripture. But I kind of enjoy just breaking it down part by part and seeing what God has for us in each part of his word. His word is so rich we could be here for a long time dissecting even a little part of it. I know you guys want to get to lunch and so we're not going to do that today. But I like doing this. I like taking God's word this way. We're in Luke chapter 8. We'll start at verse 40. New International Version this morning is the version that I have chosen to read to you today. God's Word says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were, always, they were all expecting him. You know, crowds were always following Jesus. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus spoke like nobody had ever spoken before. When, the, when people heard Jesus talk, they thought, this guy is different. He doesn't just sound like every other preacher that you've ever heard before. There's something different about the authority with which he speaks. Sometimes the Pharisees and Sadducees would show up when Jesus spoke, and Jesus would oftentimes school them into what they actually thought they already knew. Jesus would teach them some things and turn things on their heads when the Pharisees and Sadducees showed up. There was always action around Jesus. You notice that? Something was always going on. Now, there were times where Jesus would withdraw, and he would go to lonely places, and he would seek the Father, and he would get refreshment in the Spirit. And so there were times like that. But most of the time when Jesus was ministering, there was some action going on. Something was happening around Jesus. You know, sometimes in the past, we've actually gotten complaints in this church that we're always doing and changing things at this church. I've even had people say, Rushwood, 
you guys are always doing something. I wear that as a badge of honor. I'm actually uh, proud, hopefully in a godly pride, I'm proud that we're always doing something. Yep, we're absolutely guilty as charged. We try new things. We try to shake things up. We don't try to just sit around and do nothing. We try to actually make a difference for the gospel. We try to impact our community. We try to impact those who come to this church. And I make no apologies for it. I'm glad that we're that way because I think Jesus was that way. We're, going to, we're willing to try something different. Sometimes we, we take swings at it. Sometimes we connect. Sometimes we miss. It's okay. But one thing I hope we never do in this church is sit around and do the same old thing while the world goes to hell around us. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to preach the gospel to all creation. We're not called just to go through the motions. In fact, if I ever feel like we're just, I'm coming here, we're coming here and just going through the motions Sunday after Sunday, just doing the same old thing, I'm going to go do something else. I don't feel like that's what we're called to do. We are called to come in here and worship together. We're called to go out there and tell people about Jesus. Jesus never set an example of inaction. Jesus was a man of action. Next week, we're going to do something a little bit different. It's uh, Super Bowl Sunday, as you guys know. And uh, we figured if the world on Sunday night was going to take time to get all excited about a football game, and I'm not against that. I like football. I like sports. I'll probably be there yelling at the TV and having a good time. I don't know if I watch the halftime show because those are usually ungodly. But anyway, I'm going to watch the football game. I'm, I'm going to be doing all that next Sunday night, and I have no problem with that. But I am not going to allow myself to get all excited about a football game when I'm not going to be excited about Jesus on Sunday morning. So... So next Sunday morning, we have decided we're going to do a Sunday morning of worship. I'm not preaching next Sunday morning. Now, you guys hear enough from me anyway. I was calculating. I think it's somewhere around 500 sermons I've preached on Sunday morning since I've been your pastor here. You've heard me a lot. Next Sunday morning, we're going to have worship. We're going to have video elements. We're going to have scripture reading. We're going to mix it up, and we're going to do kind of a different thing. It's going to be fun. The kids will be in here with us next week. We're not going to have Rushwood kids going on. That will give our workers a break. Everybody's going to be in here. We're going to do some crazy stuff to worship God together, and I make no apologies for that. I think we should worship him. We should exalt his name. I used the phrase last week, the frozen chosen. I never want to be one of the frozen chosen. I want to be on fire for Jesus. I want to be passionate about Jesus. I want to go the extra mile for him. And if, if you can't handle that, I'm sorry. That's, that's the direction that we're going. We're going to praise him next week. So what, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying we're going to do something different. We're going to take a different swing at it. We're going to do something to try to reach people in a new way for Jesus. And so I hope you enjoy that next week. I hope you'll come and you'll be part of that. Verse 41 and 42, the first part of that verse. Let's look at that. It says, then a man named Jairus, who was a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. This story actually sets up the main story that we're going to talk about today. So I don't want to camp out here, but I want to give you a quick takeaway about Jairus coming to Jesus, seeking healing for his daughter. We sang this morning, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Well, Jairus was a somebody. 
He was an important man. He was a synagogue leader. He was probably a wealthier person. He was a more well-known person. This was a somebody, at least from, from the world's standpoint, this was a somebody coming to Jesus asking for help. Because you find out at the end of the day, you can have all the money you want in your bank account, but there's certain things that won't take care of. You can find out that you can have all the fame and you can have all the clout that you want to, but there's certain things, it just won't get the job done. You've got to go to somebody who's more important than you are. And Jesus is the one that was more important. And so we've got a somebody coming to Jesus. But then this woman that we're going to focus on today, we don't even know her name. She's a nobody, at least from a worldly standpoint. She was a nobody. But we're going to find out Jesus cared about the somebody and he cared about the nobody. Because Jesus cares about everybody. In, in the past, probably when I was growing up, if somebody was considered a nobody, if they were considered of little report or, or, or of, uh, of little importance, people would say, you know, God doesn't care so much about them. Now it's almost flipped on its head, and sometimes we, we hear that, you know, God only loves the poor, and he only loves those who are broken, and he only lo loves those who are uh, of no report. That's not true either. God loves important people from the world's eyes just as much as he loves people who aren't important from the world's eyes. Jesus came to save everyone. Jesus came to save everyone. The somebodies, the nobodies, everybody. Jesus came to save them. Verse 42a through 43. Sorry, 42b through 43. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. 12 years is a long time, guys. A chronic illness, something that you had to deal with, something that no doubt probably drained her as far as energy. It was a problem for her life. She had this physical burden. I don't know if you've ever dealt with a chronic illness. I don't know if you've ever dealt with something that, that's an ongoing problem in your life, but it can become all-consuming. It can become your identity. I mean, we know her as the woman with the issue of blood. It had basically taken over her identity when she came to Jesus. It was a physical burden. It was a financial burden. In a parallel passage, the King James Version tells us this woman had spent her entire livelihood looking for a cure. It had bankrupted her. It had emptied out her bank account. Basically, everything she had financially, her life savings, everything she had built up was lost as she was going to these doctors trying to find a cure for this chronic illness. So it was physical. It was financial. It was also a spiritual burden. The text doesn't come right out and say it, but we know from the law of Moses that a woman had to be clean for a week from bleeding to be able to come into the temple. So for 12 years, because of this issue of blood, for 12 years, for a dozen years, this woman had not been able to come into the house of God. She was impure. She would not have been allowed to come in. And so spiritually speaking, the place where you would think you would find help, the place where you think you would find reassurance, the place where you think you would find love, she was not able to go there because her issue conflicted with the law. And so it even was a spiritual burden on this woman. Physical financial, spiritual. Does that ring a bell with anybody this morning? One of those, two of those, three of those, are those where you are today that you've got some sort of burden that's been on your life and it's just like you need that burden lifted. There's an old song that says burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is there. Jesus cares. He can lift 
our burdens. Verse 44 says, She came up behind him, meaning Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Not two weeks later, not a month down the road, not when somebody else might get credit for it. Immediately she touched Jesus and her issue of blood, it stopped right then and right there. Jesus just touching him was the cure. Don't miss this point, guys. Jesus was close enough for her to touch. Can you imagine the 33 to 34 years that Jesus was on this earth? Can you imagine you could have physically seen the Son of God? You could have looked at him. You could have seen the compassion in his eyes. You could, have, you could have felt the touch of his hand in this world. You could see that there was a God there who loved you and cared about you. He wasn't a million miles away. He wasn't up in heaven having nothing to do with people. He came down and he lived among us. He was close enough to touch. That's good news, but even better news is he's still close enough to touch. He's still present. He's still real. He still passes by. And when he passes by, everything has the possibility to change because of who he is. He was close enough to touch, and he is close enough to touch. Today, if you need a touch, he's here. He's here right now. That should blow our minds. That should overwhelm us. The God of the universe is present right here, right now. I saw the other day uh, uh, President Trump was the first sitting president to go to the March for Life, and I greatly appreciate the fact that he was there. And I'm sure the people at the March for Life were really excited that the president showed up and he addressed the March for Life. And that's great, but we have someone way more important than President Trump here this morning. We have Jesus Christ. He's here. His presence is here. That's why sometimes I get on to y'all when y'all aren't worshiping on Sunday morning when we're just going through the motions. And I, I'm, I'm the same way. We forget whose presence we're in. We forget how great and wonderful and mighty and majestic and holy he is, but he's also here. He's also here. He's also close enough to touch. Wow, that's a, that, that should just, we can just leave and go home on that point. It's so great that he's here and he loves us so much to be close to us. The Jewish high priest had rules about who could touch them. The high priest, you didn't touch him. It, it might make him unclean. It might defile him for his religious duties. And so the high priest of Israel, you couldn't touch those guys. But Jesus is a greater high priest and you could touch him. And he could touch you and he could change your life forever. That's the God we serve. Give God some praise this morning. That's too good not to give him some praise. Hebrews 4.15 says, we, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So you can contact Jesus in your car. You can contact Jesus on your job. You can contact Jesus when you're lying in bed. When you're taking a shower, you can talk to Jesus. When you're mowing the lawn, you can talk to Jesus. When you're happy, when you're sad, you can talk to Jesus. When you're feeling strong, you can talk to Jesus. When you're feeling weak, you can talk to Jesus. When you've fallen short, you can talk to Jesus. When you're walking in victory, you're walk you can talk to Jesus. When you feel like you're defeated, you can talk to Jesus. You can always talk to Jesus. He's always there. So she touches him and Jesus says, who touched me? Who touched me? 
Now, this could be a sincere question because I believe as a human being, Jesus was God and Jesus had access to all knowledge. He could know all things anytime he wanted to, but Jesus was also a human being. So he was free and he probably did at some times limit that omniscience while he was on earth so he could have that full human experience. And so maybe this is a sincere question that Jesus is asking, who touched me? Or it could be a test of the woman's faith. She was bold enough to touch him, but maybe Jesus wanted to know, is she bold enough to come out and say, yeah, I'm the one that touched him. I'm the one that needed help. You see, sometimes we get help from Jesus. Sometimes he shows up and does something amazing in our lives, and we go on and we forget to praise him. We forget to let everybody know, yeah, I'm the one he touched. I'm the one that he did something for. I'm the one that he healed. I'm the one that he delivered. Sometimes we forget to be the one that comes back and says thank you and praises him publicly. So I'm not sure exactly what Jesus was doing here, but Jesus was sure. He was up to something, and it made this woman come out and let everybody know that she had experienced a touch. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master... The people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Let's just take a minute and stand in awe of that. There is power in the name of Jesus. That's why I asked him, I said, let's sing this song this morning. I asked the worship team to sing because it's a reminder. seems like we used to do that song every Sunday, and and we, we, we try not to kill stuff by going over and over, but I just feel like today is a day to be reminded there's power in the name of Jesus. There is so much power in the name of Jesus. He was so full of the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit was given to Jesus without measure. It almost implies that we, don't, we can't receive the Holy Spirit without measure because in these broken and frail bodies, we couldn't stand it. But Jesus was perfect and he was pure, so he was given the Holy Spirit without measure. And so when this lady came by and touched him, just touching his clothes, not even touching his skin, not even touching his face, just touching his clothes was enough that the power went out of him and healed her. Went out of him and healed this woman. Just touching his garment could heal you. Think of it this way. If just touching his garment could heal you, the Apostle Paul wrote that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. So if just touching his garment could heal you, how much more of being in Christ can that heal you? We're in Christ. Christ is in us. Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory, the hope of glory. We have hope because of Jesus. We have hope because of the power that's within within him. So what can result for us? If he's in us and we're in him, that healing he provided for this woman lasted a while. But eventually she died. Well, I mean, we're not told that story, but we know she's not around any longer. Eventually she got sick of something else or something happened and she passed from this world. But if we're in Christ and Christ is in us, that means we can have permanent healing. Permanent healing. That's why when somebody is dying, physically dying, and they're in Christ, they don't really die. They don't really die because of his victory. They suffer a physical death, but they don't suffer a spiritual death because in Christ we live forever. We cannot die. Just as he went into the ground, into the grave, and came out victorious, if we share in his death, we also share in his resurrection. We can't be defeated. We can't be overcome as long as we remain in him. 
Eternal healing, permanent healing comes from our connection to Jesus Christ. That's worth giving him some praise about this morning, church. That's worth getting excited about. There's power in the name of Jesus. And then the woman, seeing she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What kind of healing do you need today? What kind of healing do you need today? This morning, church, I need physical healing. Uh, since for, for about three months, I've had something going on with my stomach. I've had an issue that I've been dealing with, and it would get better, and then it would get worse again. And I've, I've been struggling with that, and I'm pretty stubborn. But finally, last week, I went to the doctor. I don't like to go to the doctor, but I said... You know, this is going on too long. Let me go to the doctor. And so they're running tests on me, and they've given me some medicine that's kind of helped some of my symptoms. But tomorrow I'm probably going to find out what's going on with me. So you guys pray for me, okay? It could be several different things. I've got cancer in my, in my history, and I, I had a grandfather that died of stomach cancer and another grandfather who had colon cancer. And so anytime something like this comes up, it can be kind of scary, but I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting that no matter what happens, he's going to touch me and he is going to take care of me. It's not in my hands, it's in his hands. But maybe this morning you need physical healing. Maybe you've got a sickness. Maybe you've got a chronic illness, something you're just dealing with. And it's part of your life so much every day, it feels like it's your identity. It's not your identity, by the way. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. But maybe you feel like it's become your identity, just like this woman. Maybe it's life-threatening. Maybe it's crippling. Maybe it's debilitating. I just want to tell you, Jesus can heal that. Jesus can heal that. I mean, he really can. Now, he's God, and he, he chooses when he's going to act and how he's going to act, and he can heal us in this world, or he can heal us in eternity. He can do whatever he wants, and I can't make him do anything because he's God and I'm not. But I can sure go ask him. Would you help me? Would you heal me? Would you touch me? I've already been healed before. He can do it again. You've probably already been healed before. He can do it again. He's God and he loves us, so you just never know when he's going to say, I just want to give you that little blessing and I want to touch you. I want to show how powerful I am. I want to give you a little taste of what eternity is going to be like, so I'm going to heal you right now. I know there's churches out there that don't believe in divine healing anymore, but this isn't one of them. We believe in divine healing. We believe you can get a touch from Jesus, and he can physically heal you. There's power in the name of Jesus. Maybe today you need emotional healing. Maybe you've had traumatic experiences, and we don't know about it. You haven't shared it with all of us, but God knows about it. Maybe somebody in your past did something terrible to you. Maybe it was somebody you loved and somebody you trusted. Maybe it was somebody you thought would never betray you, turn their back on you. I, I don't know your story, but God knows your story and he cares about your story. And maybe today you need emotional healing. Some of those emotional scars that you've carried around and other people don't even understand why you are the way you are, but you understand and God understands. He can take away that burden too. If he can heal us physically, he can certainly heal us emotionally. He can bring us past that. 
He can speak a word of grace over those situations. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were assaulted. Maybe you had a broken heart. Jesus can heal all that. I can't do it. I'm not going to pretend like I can do it. But Jesus can do it. I know one who can. Maybe you need emotional healing this morning. Maybe you need spiritual healing. Maybe you've had doubt. Maybe some things have crept into your life. I talked with a young man just a couple of weeks ago. He had begun to talk to some of his atheist friends, and they had pointed him to videos online to tear down God, and he'd been listening to this stuff, and he was really struggling because all this stuff had been presented to him, and so he needed to go back and find the foundation of what he believed in Jesus Christ. Maybe you need spiritual healing from doubt. Maybe you need spiritual healing from pain. Maybe you've had a bad church experience. Can I tell you I'm sorry? If you've had a bad experience in church, I'm sorry. You might have even had a bad experience in this church. Hey, I might have done something. All I can tell you is we're human and we fall short. In church, sometimes you're going to have... Church is the best place in the world for us to be, but it can also hurt us the most. And maybe you got hurt in in another church, a previous church experience. Maybe you got hurt here. Maybe I said something, and I'll be glad to apologize if that helps you to move on down the road and get past that. But church hurt, there's no church, there's no hurt like church hurt. And sometimes we've experienced that. Maybe you've had religious people run you down, judge you for the way you are. Maybe some of it you brought on yourself. Maybe some of it was totally unwarranted. But you've had people who claim to wear the name of Jesus who acted anything like Jesus. And if that's you, I'm sorry today. On behalf of the church, not just this church, but on behalf of the church, God's church, can I apologize and say we need to do better? We need to quit shooting our wounded. I've heard people say before, sometimes the church is the only place that shoots its wounded. We need to quit doing that. We need to love and we need to restore people. We need to be upfront about sin and we need to have standards, all of that. But maybe you've experienced that sort of spiritual hurt and you need healing from that. Jesus can heal that. Jesus can heal even that. There's power in the name of Jesus. I don't know what you're going through today, but I imagine all of us are going through something. At least the vast majority of us. Either we've been through something, we're going through something, or buddy, it's coming. Okay? That's just how it is being human beings in this world. All I can tell you is to turn to Jesus. I can counsel you. I can talk to you. I can give you, you know, some truisms and all this stuff. But really what you need is Jesus. Really, he's the one that can bring healing to your hurt. Really, he's the one that can restore you. Just like this woman, 12 years, over a decade of her life, ruined because of this condition. She comes to Jesus and instantly it's taken care of. He has the power to do that. I'm going to get quiet and I'm just going to invite you to come. Our worship team is going to sing a song about the power of God's healing. I'm going to be down here because I don't know what's going on with me. I need a touch from God. Physically, I need a touch from God. Maybe spiritually, I need a touch from God. I don't know about you, but you're invited to come today. Do some business with the Lord. And I know you say, it's scary to come up here and everybody's looking at me. I promise you they're really not. That's just Satan saying that. 
He just doesn't want you to come and, and touch the hem of his garment. And I know you can do it there, but I also know that when you step out, it's like a step of faith that's saying, I'm stepping out and I'm trusting you and I'm going to be bold and I'm not really afraid of what people think. I'm more worried about what you think, God, and I want people to know that I'm dependent on you. I need you. I think there's something special when we step out. That's why we come up to the front many, many Sundays. Because we need to say we're dependent on you, God. So I'm inviting you today. I want you to stand. If you stand, you're already on your feet. That makes it a little easier. But I invite you during this song, come and pray. And we'll have people come and pray with you. Okay, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I just trust. I know this congregation, they're going to surround you with love and prayer. But look, don't miss this moment. What if this woman had just let Jesus pass on by? But she took her chance, she took her moment, and she was healed from the issue of blood, and she was restored, and her life was forever changed. And I'm telling you, that can happen right here, right now. So I invite you to come. While our worship team sings, come, pray, meet with the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Don't miss your moment. Jesus is here. Don't miss your moment. Step out in faith. Go in peace. Come, let's pray this morning. Don't be afraid to step out. Won't you come? Come and pray. Come and meet him.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your healing touch today. No one else can heal us like you can. We're thankful for doctors. And we're thankful for counselors that minister to our minds, God. We are thankful for pastors and church leaders who direct us to your word and direct us in the right path, God. But none of those people can heal like Jesus can. And so, Father, I thank you that you are healing right now. Instantly, God, you are healing people. God, there's people going to walk out of this room today. They had a problem coming in, and they're going to leave, and they're not going to have that problem anymore. And so, God, we thank you that Jesus is able to do that. Shows us that he really is God. Shows us that he really has the power to touch. 
And so today we praise you. We thank you for meeting with us, God. We pray that we would go and we'd tell people about what happened here, God, that there would be testimonies, that there would be witness that came out of this service today. Thank you that you love your church. Thank you that you do good to your people. Thank you, God, that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray all of these things this morning. And we all said as a sign of affirmation, amen. I love you this morning. There's nothing you can do about it. I hope that you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here.